Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Good morning and welcome to the Football Digest weekly podcast. Thanks so much for joining us to brighten up your transfer deadline day, which frankly, let's be honest, has been a bit of a damn squib, hasn't it? The whole window, really. Uh, Why is that? Um, Yeah, we might have a little look at the reasons behind that, but also look back upon the um, Premier League, what's happened this week, um, review of Liverpool, Chelsea, Wow, Chelsea have got some improving to do before the uh, Carabao Cup final, haven't they? Man City, Burnley, Man City back on track. Um, Marcus Rashford's been in the headlines this week. What do we make of that? And then also look forward to perhaps the um, big clash of the weekend, Arsenal-Liverpool, and take that in that's glory. But guys, you were were there last night, weren't you, at um, Anfield? At Liverpool... You know, Liverpool reasserting their dominance at the top of the table, really, and sort of kind of... I don't know, what are we going to do? The sort of tour of glory, basically, um, for for Jurgen Klopp. So that was the first Premier League home game since he made his, having had the the first FA, you know, first FA Cup since his announcement on Sunday, really. But Dunny, is that that emotion going to, I should say, I'm joined by Andy Dunn and Jeremy Cross. Sorry, how rude of me. But basically, Dunny, is that that tide of emotion going to be a massive factor, do you think? Because it looked like a very emotional, highly charged Anfield last night. Yeah, but not much different from when they thought Klopp was, you know, staying. I have to say, I've been at both games. On on Sunday's game, there was an element before the game of of it being game one of Klopp's four-month farewell tour, which will now have a fly-on-the-wall TV documentary behind it, would you would, would, would you believe? Um, um, Yesterday, the different feel about it. Yesterday, it almost felt. I mean, don't forget, Liverpool is a huge football club that is way bigger than any one individual manager, and they're in an exciting time at the moment. And there was a feeling around the ground, around the stadium yesterday, that you know, th- this was back to business. This was back to the real business and the serious business of the Premier League, of leading the Premier League, of having what they thought was going to be a real test of their credentials. Turned out to be no sort of test whatsoever. By the way. Um, and it was all about the team and about the players. It wasn't about Klopp yesterday. You know, it, it, there was no the Jurgen Klopp song didn't get an airing until until the game was done and dusted. Basically, um, I'm sure Klopp will, will will be pleased that was the case. But there was more of a feeling. Well, 
you know, let's keep this going as a team, uh, as a support base. And that's exactly what they did. I didn't get any sense yesterday. I didn't feel compelled in any way to write about Klopp leaving the football club. You know, he said what he said now. He's going to go in four months' time. Let's see what happens between now and then. I think the sort of long goodbye that we expected, you know, is, is there, but it will become more and less and less of a thing as Liverpool fights on on four fronts. And judging by, obviously, last night's performance then, they're going nowhere. Um, they're not, not going away anytime soon at the top of the table, that's for sure. Jeremy, Chelsea were lamentable, weren't they? I mean, let's focus on Chelsea here because Chelsea were were really poor, weren't they? I mean, it, it, it felt like, listen, I was at Spurs, Brentford, the cracking game, absolutely fantastic starts, really. But um, but um, uh, but Chelsea, you know, looking at them, they were poor, weren't they? Yeah, they were too easy to beat, and that's unforgivable for a Chelsea team. You know, it should be setting much higher standards than that. Well, Pochettino has been in charge for more than half a season. But what, what difference has he made? What improvements have they made? Where's the identity? I mean, they were so overrunning midfield. They've got two midfields in there, Cotido and Fernandez. Fernandez that cost a lot of money, and you expect much more. Sterling's form's fallen off a cliff. They weren't positive. He didn't play that great last night, but the only positive I can see from Chelsea's point of view this season has been Cole Palmer. You know, he's been a, he's been their standout player, and he's. You know, so you just think you look at Chelsea last night and you think, look, Liverpool had a benchmark. City obviously the benchmark too, but Liverpool had lost one game all season. That is the level you've got to get to to compete for these big trophies, and it's uh, alarming for Pochettino. The, the golfing class was stark. Yeah, I must say it's bizarre. I think they're basically Chelsea really struggled for centre forward. This, you know. <laughs> Um, this season, haven't they? It's obvious. And basically, the deadline deal they're trying to do is uh, is Armando Brogia going out, you know, to, to to balance. I would say this. I would say this. I think in defence, I think Sterling's been good this season. And then basically, he was good a few months ago, but he, he was shocking last night, and he's not he's not pulled up any trees recently, has he? Right, but I do think generally throughout the course of the season, I think he's been decent. And the other one is Conor Gallagher. You know, Conor Gallagher has been excellent for them. His, his single-minded attitude has been has been terrific. You know, they were off it off it last night. Come on, Danny, talk about the penalties. The, the one thing yeah. about is, I mean, I, well, I know. I mean, I, I got in from Spurs, and basically, you know, what no, no, I this, Al, I, I know you've had a bit of a Twitter spot with Jamie Carragher about this. Twitter spare, nice discussion, don't mind that. That's the only thing you could be called. It's not, it's not. I like Jamie. I think anyway, it's go on. No, I think I, you know, it, I have to say, I think it'd be amazing if it's not knocking Liverpool, but at all, because I think it'd be a great story if Liverpool win, win, win the title and basically Jurgen Klopp's last season. What a farewell and great fairy tale chapter that would be. But I just couldn't believe it. I mean, I, you know me, I've been very critical of refs this season. I, I, Tierney, I've got one on him. Because honestly, I just think this guy, how on earth has Paul Tierney suddenly been promoted to um, big games of the week? He's often um, the Sunday for a big guy um, referee. I just don't understand it. I think he's I think he's a poor ref. I think we've got some good ones. I don't think he's a particularly good generation, but I don't think Tierney is one of the better ones. And I just, I literally couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. What is going on? Well, you know, and bear in mind that Tierney was supposed to be someone who Liverpool fans, you know, thought had an agenda against them. 
obviously, obviously it's gone full circle. They can't think that Palomine said that, you know, Klopp's going, but at least Taney signed on. Um, Listen, I've been at the game, and, and, and know, you know yourself, you know yourself when you're at the game, you get more of it. Um, you, you have an instinct, and it's it's funny actually. I, me- I, I mentioned when you when you've had that little exchange with him with Jamie on, on social media, and he said he thought the Nkunku, um, Van Dijk and Kunku incident in the second half was definitely a penalty, but the Gallagher one wasn't. I thought it were both penalties. I thought Gallagher was a stonewaller. I mean, you, you know, I, I I have to say I did not. Tierney's positioning for that penalty was absolutely for that penalty appeal was absolutely perfect. Um, Van Dijk is very clever. He does actually trip him. He sort of puts his knee into his knee. Gallagher goes down. It's a penalty. You know, I was absolutely amazed that, that wasn't given us a penalty. And similarly, when when Nkunku was fouled. So, yes, two decisions he got he got quite horribly wrong, I thought. And they weren't the only decisions he got wrong. Um, but having said all that, of course, the caveat to the whole thing is that they were, yeah, it, it wasn't a good performance from Tierney. Caveat to it, of course, which obviously Pochettino himself um, um, stressed was that the you know Liverpool hit the post about thirty four times, missed their own penalty, and you know could have scored a dozen easily. You know it, it would have not it would not have made. I know people say oh well it came at crucial times wherever Chelsea had taken the lead. It would not have made a scintilla of difference to the outcome of that football match. Quite frankly, yes. Um, in terms of where those decisions wrong, absolutely. I don't understand why VAR did not. I mean, on the first one, one of those situations where had he given it, it wouldn't have been overturned. But yeah, two poor decisions. There's, there's no getting away from that. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I just don't get it with Tierney. I think he's a worst possible example of where our elite refs are at the moment. But there you go. I don't want to make it personal because I do think these refs have to with a lot, but blimey. And let's go on to Man City, Jeremy, because, you know, City, you know, Haaland comes on as a substitute. Um, blimey. Has an air shot and gets frustrated with himself with a back post header, doesn't he? And ba- but basically, you feel as if the goals will come. What an ominous sight for the for the rest, basically. With with with, with City really um, sort of kind of smashing Burnley three one, but also they I just feels I don't know whether you agree, but they're in a the bit of a groove. I thought they played ever so well at Spurs last Friday. Obviously, left it win, but they're in the winning groove, aren't they? Yeah, we see it every year, don't we? Or almost every year, this time of the season when, you know, you just 
the winning light starts appearing on the horizon. They just churn out the wins. They're so good at peaking at the right time. And they've won the last eight in all comps now. You just feel like that that we've seen a bit of deja vu with City. Harlan's back now. He had a 20-minute cameo last night. I mean, he, he didn't score, but he looked, he, looked, he, looked, he, was, he was charging around like a man possessed, so he's, he's off the leash now. Um, De Bruyne made his first start since the opening weekend of the season. I didn't realise that until I checked the stats, but um, you obviously saw that sublime pass he put in from the free kick to Alvarez. That was genius, a moment of genius from De Bruyne. So, you know, if those two players find their... Top form in the next three months, I just, as great as Liverpool are, as consistent as Liverpool are, I just can't look beyond City winning the title again. I really can't. They just find, an, and it's amazing how they find a way to find the most consistency in the final months of the season. And, you know, it looks like he's heading that way again. I mean, Liverpool won't go away. And I think it's going to be an absolutely classic finish to the, to the title race. But I just, you just can't bet against City, not with those two players. No, no, I totally agree with it. De, De Bruyne is, is, is huge coming back for them, isn't it? Absolutely fantastic, uh, with, you know, um, way to start the sort of kind of uh, last third of the season almost, it feels, doesn't it, really? Let's move on to Marcus Rashford, Dunny, because, um, I mean, what an, what an absolute carry-on, really. I mean, honestly. I mean, <laughs> carry-on. I mean, we're, we're, I mean, it's, it is embarrassing, isn't it? I mean, you, you know, it, it was quite, it was quite telling, wasn't it? This sort of the club party line before Newport in the morning was basically having seen some, some you know, some back page headlines about Rashford's um, uh, no show was that he was ill. Eric Ten Hag refuses to buy into this and says we'll deal with it in, internally, which obviously alludes to a more, you know, pressing disciplinary matter. And I have to say, even some of Rashford's biggest defenders did a bit of a U-turn and a bit of a double take on Monday when sort of further details emerged. I just can't see there's defence of this. I mean, honestly, the people around him trying to offer defence and be sycophantic with that defence, surely they're, you know, they're kidding themselves and he needs a bit of home, home truths, doesn't he, really? Well, I, I, I'm not quite up to speed. What, what's the defence? What what defences are being offered for? Well, exactly, for exactly. I just you know I think the sort of kind of people that uh, uh, were sort of saying, oh, he was visiting his friend in Belfast. I would see um, quite, a, quite a nice thing to do. But even and what I'm trying to say is, when there's full details emerged, you know, I, I, I think yeah. anyone you know with with common sense could see that it wasn't wasn't a defence basically. Yeah, I think the broader the the, the broader defence that is now being put out there, you, you know, is the you're seeing what Rashford Rashford's um, misdemeanor, if you want to call that, um, um, ill judgment, if you want to call it that, is is that the result of something that is like you know something that needs to be addressed, something you know deeper than that, something that that, that is bothering him, something that. That he he has to deal with. Um, now I don't know. I, I mean, I, I really I really don't know on on that. I have to be honest. I think it's quite. I think people are overcomplicating at the moment, or it looks like they're overcomplicating the issue. You know, you know, he's gone out. He's he, he, he's gone out and had a good time on his days off. And maybe overdid it slightly. You know, it wouldn't be the first and won't be the last. And you know, and and has not rocked up for work basically. Um, and from what. The statement from Manchester United, you know, taking responsibility for his actions, and you know they move on. I, 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 I genuinely think. Listen, I, I'd be more concerned about 
and when I've been running about Rashford, it's been a lot about what what is happening, what's happened on the field. You know, this is something that's happened off the field that that has caused an issue. Um, but at the moment, I don't I don't see it as anything anything more ultra significant. What, what what I see is Rashford on the pitch. Ironically, last couple of games I've seen him on the pitch, he's been okay. What I've seen of him mainly is extremely ineffective. Um, not looking fully committed on the pitch, not looking um, as though he's a team player, not looking threatening in terms of goal scoring or even assisting. And they're the things that, you know, I think should be concerning. Now, whether or not there's a reason for that off the pitch, I don't. I honestly don't know. I honestly do not know. All I know is that, is that he's messed up here by, by going out and having a good time, which he's entitled to do and not got back on time. And I just don't think, I think it's very dangerous ground to, to read more into it than that. Mm, yeah. Jeremy, what do, what, do, what do you make of it? Where, where is Marcus? Well, he's, he, he's clearly making the wrong decisions off the pitch because that's not acceptable, what he did there. I know Dunny's saying he's rocked up for work late, but he's actually, he said he's ill for whatever reason. And he's ill for, yeah, he's ill for a reason. He's been on a 12-hour bender in Belfast while his teammates are back training. I mean, he's had, he's, had, he's had a winter break. He's had a winter break. He's had all that time to go see his mate in Belfast. He chooses to do it two, two or three days before they go to Newport for an FA Cup game. What's all that? I mean, what do his teammates think about that, do you reckon? I just think he's not good enough for someone of his standing. He's one of the highest paid players of the club. He's the, the sort of player Man United should be building a team around. And just let everyone down. I mean, look, it's the third time he's had to be disciplined this season by Tenard. We don't know what's going on in his private life. We click when I look at him on the pitch, he looks unhappy. He just looks like he doesn't want to be there. What something is causing him a lot of problems to make these poor decisions away from Old Trafford, and it's a major problem for Ratcliffe. He's just got a new, he's just got a new deal. He looks like someone. I've got my new deal. I'm made for life, you know. But he, you know, that's history. He didn't half play well to get that new deal, by the way. Yeah, and. And, and couldn't it be that, you know, listen, I, I said, we don't know. We, I don't know what's going on. I, I, I'm not even going to claim to know what's going on away from the pitch with Marcus Rashford, other than the fact that he went out, as I say, you know. And listen, I mean, I, I, I do think it's it's a bit easy to over-dramatise it. I mean, you know, who he's letting down, who he's not letting down. He went out, you, you know, on the Wednesday before a Sunday game and stayed out a bit longer than he should, you, you know. I mean... Blimey, you know he's a 26 year old lad. Like you know, he's gone to see his mate. I mean, I'm not, as I say, I'm not in any way sort of saying he's, you know, he deserved not to be part of the squad that went to Newport. He deserves to be disciplined if he has been disciplined by Manchester United. But you know, as as crimes of the century go, I'm not having it up there as, as some heinous, heinous misdemeanor. However, when you say he doesn't look interested on the pitch. That's a sign of something, you know, something else. Then maybe, you know, listen, I think there is a, an, another reason. Maybe, and I'm not making him right on this, but his disillusionment, his seeming disillusionment on the pitch might also be linked with the fact that, you know, he's playing in a team that, that he doesn't think maybe is being set up right. He doesn't maybe think that, 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 that is playing to get the best out of him. I don't know. I mean, I mean the, 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 the could be an element of that. Players can be a bit precious like that. Again, I'm not saying it's right, but the issues, we are looking for issues away from the pitch. So so obviously, and that's fine. You, you can read all these pieces about 
you know, maybe the influence of people around him is is so-called like, you know, entourage or friends or where he's being distracted. And that might be the case. I honestly don't know. But what I do know is that he's playing in a team. He's not playing well and the team isn't playing particularly well and it's not getting the best out of him. I also know that he needs to, you know, to basically get his game as well, get his game back on track, you know. Otherwise, and I'm both myself and Crossy, John, I've written it this week, you know, otherwise the England situation is going to come to a head as well. Because bear in mind, you know, Southgate likes him, but but much more as an impact player, doesn't he? I, I was amazed at how few games he starts for England. I mean, I mean well, in terms of, you know, a troubled life away from the pitch, I don't know at the moment. I, I don't know whether that's right or wrong. I couldn't tell you. No, I do find it quite interesting. Finally, on this uh, on this point, Jeremy, it feels like United are in a bit of a state of limbo at the moment. You know, Ratcliffe is coming in. You know, Ineos, Sadev Brailsford is sort of kind of you know, obviously overseeing things pitch wise and sort of let's see what happens and. You know, Ten Hag. I actually, I don't know whether you agree, but I actually thought he handled it quite well, to be honest, with 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 Rashford. But then people immediately say, "Well, how come he didn't handle Sancho and you know Ronaldo the same way?" Sort of thing, and making and making those comparisons. I'm not sure every player is the same, but but you know, <laughs> it must be difficult at the moment to be Eric Ten Hag. You know, you don't know where your future is. You don't know quite which direction the club is going in. You know, the sooner the sooner this all gets resolved, and I guess the sort of kind of the last thing he wants is a sort of a star name, kind of causing him a headache and maybe you know potentially making him look weak. Yeah, I suppose the difference between Sancho and Rashford is clearly Rashford's gone in to see Ten Hag and said, "Look, I'm sorry about that. He has apologised. He's been fined. It's dealt with. The move on." Of Sancho refused to apologise. That festered for months and months and months, and now he's out on loan at Dortmund. So. I mean, I think Ten Hag probably deep down can't wait to get to the end of the season now, finish in a respectable position in the table, have a summer to try and resolve the issues he's got to resolve. But like you said, a backdrop to it is if if they don't finish, listen, let's be honest, I can't see United finishing in the top four. I just can't see it. It's not good enough. Top six, probably take that now. And would that be good enough to keep him in a job? I mean, you know, that would be a regression from last season when they got to two cup finals. So you're right. It, it, there's a state of flux at United and it always seems to be the case. You know, they just never seem to get any solid foundations in place. But like when Radcliffe came in, he said, I need patience. This is a long, a long job taking United back to where they want to be. It's not just going to be sorted out in 12 months. So, you know, if they do get rid of Ted Arg in the summer, what's the solution? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's look forward to the weekend, Danny, and I'll just touch on Everton Tottenham because I tell you what, that's the sort of kind of Saturday lunchtime game. Lots swirling around with Everton at the uh, at the moment, but also Tottenham's an interesting story because you know you look at where they are in the table. I, I think they've done so. You know, of, uh, lots of clubs have been quiet. They haven't been made a couple of decent signings. They've got players to come back. I actually, I, I actually think, you know, it was a hell of a game last night, by the way, really entertaining and good. I actually think that Spurs, you know, are, are a decent bet for, you know, I mean, you know, Big Ange basically saying that they're still in the title race, but then, you know, and Madison refusing to put a, a limit on them. But, I mean, that's that's a good game for them and a big test for them, isn't it? But it's big for both teams now. 
very big for both teams. I, I have to say, you know, I, I think um, at the moment, Everton are so toothless at the moment. You know, Dominic Carver-Lewin cannot buy a goal. Um, Beto, who's the striking alternative for Sean Dice, showing no signs of being any more prolific. Um, not that that would be hard than Carver-Lewin. I think Everton really struggling a little bit for form at the moment. Um, obviously, they had the initial bounce after the... Well, actually, they were beating 3-0 after the immediate point deduction, but but then then had a bit of a bounce and 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 they've just sort of you know flattened out a bit now and and I agree with you I think Spurs will be a an important when I say important influential team in the top of the Premier League for this last you know um segment of the season you know they've got nothing else to occupy their time I think you know they will they will have a bit of a surge they might take points off other teams um and, and and yes, I, I I couldn't agree more. I think it's a real listen. I, I, at Everton at the moment, there's a feeling that the important fixture is with the independent commissioner. We're going to hear the appeal, and with the independent commissioner, we're going to hear the second raft of the second charge against them for breaching PSR rules, um, and PSR regulations. I genuinely think you know that if if though if that Point seduction is not reduced, and if they were to get any more, which I think might be unlikely, but they might, um, then they're in real trouble because at the moment they're in a little bit of a rut on, on the pitch. Um, although by all accounts, again, I didn't see the game fully. Um, they didn't do too badly at Fulham. But I would have Spurs down as favourites on Saturday, that's for sure. Mm, yeah, no, it's in, 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 interesting. In, interesting one, really. And I have to say, you know, the, while we're on PSL, Forrest is showing no signs, Jeremy, of, of slowing down. They, 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 they've done some more deals, haven't they? I mean, it's 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 it's, it's amazing, really. So, um, yeah. I mean, what have you made of the of the transfer window? Just 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 briefly on it on it, Jeremy. You know, it's a strange one, isn't it? Boring. Yeah. I don't know how much I spent last what how much I spent this time last year, was it? Something like 130 million in January last year. Uh, yeah. And that was and that was just by Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> now, I mean that was a record and we're clearly nowhere near, you know, it's a tiny fraction, basically. Um Listen, I want clubs are treading the high wire from past spending, are they? That's the bottom yeah. line. You know, they've made their own beds and they're now got a line in and you know, well, listen, good or bad, good or bad, PSR, good or bad. Um, I don't know, it divides opinion now, doesn't it? I mean, listen, football clubs are football clubs, football clubs are businesses ultimately, and they've got a trade. So it, it, it provides chief executives and owners of the ultimate test of how to do business without just being able to throw, throw 100 million quid at a player and game, because that's what's happened over the years. You know, we've seen Chelsea do it. We've seen United do it. City have done it. You know, we expect Newcastle to probably do it. So, you know, it's not that simple anymore. So, you know, look at, you know, where, where are the bargains? Where are these players in the lower leagues where you can you can sign them for peanuts and turn them into worldies? Good or bad, Doug? Oh, good. I mean, it's good. It, it, I think I think it needs I think it needs tweaking. A very simple thing is that. And as it is going to be tweaked, I'm sure, isn't it? In um, um, in the summer, in August, it, it, it needs tweaking. The figures probably need um, to go up. You know, in terms of um, 
the figure for losing over a three-year cycle of 105 million or whatever it is now, you know, needs to go up because it, it doesn't take a someone with the you know with an economist brain to, to work out there. Obviously, the global economic issues mean surely that must be must go to a bit higher. I think it's good. I I, I think you know I, I was never a big fan, but the more I think about it, and the more I see what's happening, and the more I see people that are like moaning about it. But this is a sensible window. You know, it, it, spending eight hundred million in that window last year was just ridiculous. I'm pretty much obscene to be perfectly honest. With you. I just don't see. I, I, I see a. It's not a level playing field, obviously, because because by by its very nature, those with a bigger revenue and a bigger turnover can spend more. But generally, those with a bigger turnover then have to pay higher wages. And I just see it as... Listen, the bottom line is, the bottom line is, it's 20 clubs voted for this. You know, they haven't had this imposed on them. It's 20 member clubs. I've said, this is how we want our our competition to operate. So then just operate within the rules. You've made the rules. Stick by them. Mm, Yeah. No, I'm in, I'm inclined to agree. I do agree. Right, let's look at the um, the the big game on Sunday, Arsenal Liverpool. Um, there's no doubt about it. Liverpool are banging it. Um, Man City are hot on their heels too. Jeremy, are Arsenal still legitimate title contenders? I tell I tell you, I thought it was fascinating. I was at Forest the other night. Thought it was fascinating that Arsenal then scored their 14th goal of the season. They're the highest scores of set piece goals. In, in, in the in the Premier League. Now, a lot of people see that as a real positive, but I have to say, being the cynic that I am, I thought, do you know what? That is reflective of a team that is relying so heavily on set-piece goals that they have lost the fun and flair and kind of real... You know, just instantaneous sort of notion of a of a you know free flowing attacking football. They're so methodical that I do think at the moment they look slow. You know, kind of you know. I mean, they did win. Please don't get me wrong. So I don't want to be too negative, but I'm not sure that they are genuine title contenders. Well, they dominated Forest, didn't they? especially in the second half. But did, how many clear cut chances did they create? And Saka missed one, didn't he? Even the goal from Jesus, the opening goal, was a, not a fluke, but it was pure goalkeeping now. Should have never scored from that angle. That was ridiculous. No. Uh, Matt Turner had his best best um, best game for Arsenal, former Arsenal goalkeeper, as, uh, as a goalkeeper that night. Really, I mean, Saka's goal, second goal, that was a good that was a good goal. To be fair, but you know, you you sort of associate Arsenal with these free flowing football, and you know, someone's on the end of it to finish it off, but they don't have that thirty goal a season striker of the Arsenal, so. I mean, ultimately, if you want to win the title, I think that that that's the be all and end all. So, I don't think Arsenal. I mean, oh, the, if you look at the table, you think the band in it, but realistically, Liverpool and City, I think, are operating at a slightly higher level than Arsenal, and Arteta probably knows that. Yeah, and, and yeah, I do. No, I do. I massively agree. I think I think it's a two-horse race almost between Liverpool and City. I don't think Arsenal. You know, Arsenal's really interesting. They, they, you know, because. I don't think their midfield balance is nearly as good as it was last season. And yet they signed, you know, Declan Rice, who has been brilliant. So get your head around that. Explain that. Answer is, I can't really. But basically, the, 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 the simple answer is, I guess, the midfield balance isn't as good as it was with Thomas Partey in the team, really. And yet, you know, let's be clear here, Arsenal were more than willing to sell Thomas Partey last summer. So, you know, this kind of reverse ferret and sort of kind of 
you know, reverse thing is, is, uh, you know, none of this as in lots of things in football makes any sense really, but I think that it's between Liverpool and City. Yeah, uh, but your your points about Arsenal's um, goal-scoring threats, goal-scoring options, compared to Liverpool's, they are extremely limited, right? Right at this moment. I mean, last night was almost a comical performance from Darwin Nunes. I mean, literally... I mean, four times he did the woodwork, and it was even when he took the penalty, he knew he was going to hit his favourite post, and um, and then of course provides an assist for Diaz. But you know what? He was absolutely dynamic all night, and he's been that way for some time. He is an option. They've got those options. They've got Diaz. They've got Jota. They've got Gakpo. They will have salary returning. Probably not. Will almost certainly not this Sunday, but returning soon. Um, they've got goals from midfield. Curtis Jones offers a goal-scoring threat. Conor Bradley, of course, scored last night from fullback. Trent Alexander-Arnold's come back. They have got so many. They 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 look to carry so much more threat than Arsenal at, at, at this current um, moment that it's hard to see. I I can't see I I can't see anything other than Liverpool winning um, on Sunday. And obviously, as you well know, I believe Liverpool will win the title as well. I don't think they have the same vulnerability maybe as City do, and I think Liverpool will win the title, and they will they'll they'll win on Sunday. And this isn't just anything to do with the the wave of you know so called emotion that's going to accompany Klopp to the finishing line, but I just think that everything has fallen into place. He admitted himself they were fortunate in the sense that he's not saying they were fortunate in the sense that their midfield targets they missed out on Bellingham, Cachado, and Lavia. And ended up with um, Endo, um, Shabazzai, and uh, McAllister, who, who are who are pulling up trees for them. McAllister was fantastic last night. Everything's that, and, and then he can bring in young players. You then just love the atmosphere, and people like Connor Bradley, James McConnell at the weekend, um, Cons, Jarrod Cons are, are just fitting in as well. Loads of options, and I think Liverpool will will win on Sunday and will win the title. Yeah, Bradley's a lovely story, isn't it? I have to say, Great you know. Story. Him up, you know, and it was uh, it's, it's it's terrific. Empty to see, love that, love that about home, home homegrown youngster. And listen, I should take my hat yeah. off to well, you. He's from Northern Ireland, no, he's not very homegrown, but oh, you know what I mean. Going through, came I through. don't really. He's from Northern Ireland. He didn't come over here until he was fourteen or fifteen. Well, yeah, but came through the ranks. God, you, you know, you cynic. I'm trying to be positive. I'll tell you what, Cross. Maybe I just want to give the ranks he came through, which was Dungan and Swifts in Northern Ireland, maybe the credit they deserved. When did he come yeah. to Liverpool? I think he came to Liverpool when he was 16, maybe 15, 16. Nowadays, we talk about these academy graduates. You know, well, some of them, don't forget, I've been brought in from other clubs. I mean, let, let, let's, let, let, let's, let's be honest about this. People say Harvey Ellis, he can be graduated ball from Fulham for, for whatever. But but yes, but there's no it is good. Yes, he has been brought through the academy in the sense, but but you know, he's not he's not he's a, school, a Scott McTominay at United coming through since he was eight. No. Finishing school then. Finishing school. Yes, I was just, great. I was about to say to you, Danny. Well, he's finishing school. You're right, smashing compromise. College. There you go. We'll agree on it. I'll go back to to praising you as Mystic Dunny, the 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 only man that I remember in Fleet Street who tipped Liverpool to win the title this season. Sensational, absolutely sensational. That's what you've so, seen. You know, with a bit of compromise, with a bit of agreement, I'll go back to to a bit of praise for you there, Dunny. And all that. Go on. Go on. No, 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 that's fine. Uh, a good place to end. No, tell me. Go on. 
No good place to end. I was only going to, just going to say about other things falling into place for Liverpool. Van Dijk, although he probably should have given away two pounds, should have been penalised twice last night. Van Dijk in good form. Defensively, they're looking in good form. And obviously, they've got a good goalkeeper. So, um, yeah, all falling into place for them. Yeah, Van Dijk clearly thought we'll see it all on the Flying the Wall documentary. Absolutely, yeah. I, was yeah. There. I went to the training ground the other day, uh, and, and the first person I saw was Rio, who was doing a, a sort of like, you know, a, a round the scene sort of into a clock. And then oh, there was yeah. all these cameras. I thought, what's going on? There's a fly on the wall documentary because they obviously can't have known about what's going to happen with clock. And they... Right, no, no, no. That's another absolutely. story. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. God, you are sitting, can you? <laughs> you really are a city. It's late. There was traffic coming back from Anfield last night. I think it's late, so I'm a bit. Bit of interesting. Right, fair enough. Fair enough. Dear, oh dear. Right, anyway, guys, nice to see you. And on that, on that, on that note, we will um, wish you goodbye. And um, yeah, see you same time, same place next week. Bye.